I can look at my calendar now and be like, yeah, I guess tomorrow is part of a thing, but it's 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 like going to work. I mean, doing live shows is just like commuting to work. Sometimes it's sometimes it's two weeks at a time. This time I leave tomorrow and I come back on Saturday to go to Indiana and then I have them doing a club in Portland here and then I go to St. Louis for a weekend. Uh, but I was gone for the first two and a half weeks of this month from the 3rd to the 19th. So It's commuting, but it's commuting to Indiana. Yeah, it's flying uh, It's flying on a red eye out to Indianapolis. But it's, yeah, you, I, it doesn't, I don't want that to sound negative, but no, it doesn't end. It's just, <clears throat> this is partly being a comedian. It's not being a studio musician or being an actor like, oh, I shot a film and now I sit back and wait for the film to come out. It's like, no, this is on an, an ongoing process or at least I, I feel it should be ostensibly you're touring around a record yeah to just make the next record and then when that comes out i'll already be working on new material like i don't if i'm going to a city you should be hearing new material that's, that's if if there's something that's recorded and i'm coming out to you should not be hearing stuff that's on the recording i know you said you love it but there, but there's almost this like there's a sense that I get as you're describing it, you know, like never ending is, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds like a grind. I mean, there's, yeah, there's part, there's, there's parts of it that can be exhausting, but some people sit in a car on a highway an hour every morning to go to a job and then sit in a car an hour to go home. So two hours a day, they sit in a car or on a train to go to a job. So, I mean, the commute, is just more compressed for me. It's this thing of like, and I, and I get this too, where I'm like, ah, you know, I can't, I can't complain about my job. I know I'm very lucky to do what I do for a living. And I know that probably the vast majority of people on planet earth, or at least the vast majority of people in history have had more difficult jobs, but also, I don't know. I think you should be able to complain about your job. Certainly you should be able to complain about your job to like sympathetic people. That's it. Yeah. Complain to like-minded people that understand the ins and outs, but I'm not going to talk to somebody who's reluctant middle management in an office that they have to commute to every day and be like, boy, tell me about it. Sometimes I don't get bumped up when I'm flying to go tell jokes for a living. Like I'm not going <laughs> to have enough sense to, you know, know who you're comparing your uh, your struggles to part, part of the initial question around the touring was that you know i mean i'm now now that i'm looking at at the tour dates i, I should have uh paid closer attention but it is a loose is it is a loose set of dates um over over the course of the next month but regardless you do this podcast so it's it's four o'clock your time and then you know what is what is the the rest of the night look like and and what does the morning look like ahead of a you know flying halfway across the country for a show well uh yeah i'm gonna do this and then it's gonna be about five or so and i'm gonna i'm not sure probably chill out at home and then i got a flight at 10 30 tonight oh you fly out tonight yeah i took the i took the red eye because i just sleep on the plane i get to indiana tomorrow i hang out you know maybe take a nap i got a show tomorrow night and a show friday and then i come home saturday it's not so bad. I travel quite a bit for, not as much as you do, but I travel quite a bit for work these days. I'm like kind of on a flight every other week. I've been for the last few months. And I I feel like being able to sleep on a plane is is a superpower that I will never, never have. Well, there's, 
you know, there's a, there's medical items that you could take to maybe, uh, I wouldn't say guarantee a, a, a sleep, but, uh, I had a bad experience on a plane, uh, a, a number of years ago when I was still drinking that involved, um, taking something for, for sleep and also drinking a whiskey and was the, mm. the one time in my life when I've ever legitimately had a panic attack. It was like fairly was sitting in a middle seat and was fairly certain that I was going to die. Oh, those are good time. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, uh, like tonight I'll, I might take a little, just a tiny little edible and you know, you find, you find the level of podcasts or what have you that, I mean, honestly, one of the best, one of the best purchases is noise canceling headphones, <clears throat> good noise canceling headphones. Those go on when I'm walking on the jet bridge to the plane, they stay on until I walk off and they're one of the best inventions. They got to be comfortable, but to not hear anybody else's rustling or anybody's kid or anything, you get to a certain podcast or somebody with a nice cadence where it's like, for me, it's got to be interesting enough, but it's got to be one person talking. It can't be a conversation. It can't have sound effects. It's one guy talking with enough of like a even tone. Oh, I can knock out. I've, I've had it where I've, I've been woken up for snoring on planes. I've slept that well before. This is actually something that's interesting. This is something that started happening to me during the pandemic. I started listening I started like listening to YouTube videos to sleep and I don't know I don't know if that's healthy. I mean what's the what's the subject matter? Is it building a deck or is it serial killer stuff? They don't start as, you know, but the algorithm gets you in and all of a sudden you're on like uh some uh some like right-wing podcast that I've never heard of that has, you know, like 8 million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. It's almost like they're feeding it to you. It's almost like they're making, they're getting, they're going to get you. I feel like on a fairly consistent basis, I'm discovering all these shows that have like 8 million viewers. I don't know how much of this is like dark money and people paying for views, but I also just think that they're, we're just so disconnected as a culture right now that a show that like would never cross your radar has 8 million people watching it every week. Yeah, but 8 million people watching on YouTube is how many people actually watch it on YouTube versus... Somebody who's been sleeping through it the whole time. Sure. <laughs> you get my broader point here that, that there yeah. is just, and for, and podcasting does seem kind of prone to that world. Well, there's no gatekeepers. So depending on your opinion about, isn't it beautiful that everybody has access to uh, voicing their opinions? Does the cream rise to the rise to the top or is there a God, what a horrible metaphor. Is there like a, a lot of different creams out there? <laughs> Too many, too many creams out in the world. We've all got different preferences when it comes to creams is, is what it comes down to. Yeah. I, if I, you know what? I'll start getting upset about that stuff because I'm being too online. And, uh, you know, God forbid I get busy enough where I don't, I'm not just sitting there looking at Reddit or whatever, and I'm just out in the world. <clears throat> None of these things, I'm not upset about any of these issues. But if I wake up, I look at Reddit. All of a sudden, I'm upset about all these things that I see no evidence of. I mean, I know they're out there, but I'm not seeing evidence of it in the, my day-to-day. And so is it is it being ignorant to not inform yourself of these things? Or is it, being, is it self-care to not read about that stuff and go about your daily life interacting with people as if you didn't read Reddit that morning and... Things are fine and yeah, whatever. 
fine. You got a MAGA hat on. It's a hat. Who cares? We're both at the store. If you're not being a dick and I'm not being a dick, what's the problem? You voted for a guy that I didn't vote for. We're just both grocery shopping. There must be an extent to which that world touches yours. I mean, in that, I, 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 you know, I don't, there's something about failed comedians who really pick up a lot of steam on that side of things. Oh yeah. Well, I think it's easier to grift the right than it is to grift the left, at least for profit. Ideologically, I've, who knows? It's probably pretty easy to get everybody virtue signaling and rights. But as far as just for profit, I think it's easier to grift the right. I think uh, on basic merchandising, the right has a worse sense of design than the left. I think I think the designers and the artists tend to be more left. So, you know, you can wear, you know, let's go brand. You could still print let's go Brandon for money right now. And it's a bad it just 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 aesthetically it's a bad slogan and it's stupid. But that that merch machine you're going to get more out of it you're going to get more out of like a maga hat or something and i think there's more of an urge to provoke and you know and i'm talking to my ass but yeah i just think it's easier to merchandise to that group there's also an appeal that i've been seeing over the last several years of this idea of somebody who is on the left who's now right and that's a huge that's a huge market that, you know, the, like the left left me. I didn't leave the left. That, that's that been a big part of that space as well. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's a little bit much on both sides. If you go that, if you go that far down the hole, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to live in a commune anytime soon. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's. I think it's just that. That's what a lot of squeaky wheels get in the grease. That's what's getting the most attention is the wildest story out of each side. I thought about this a lot when John Stewart was doing the Daily Show. Of you know, I mean, I, I obviously it's great on the Daily Show, but he always had this thing that he came back to of of I'm just a comedian, and. There's a sense in which yeah. I felt like that was kind of excusing things away. Yeah. It's a it's a nice bailout. It's every comedian gets to use that. Well, I'm just I'm but I'm just a comedian. It's it is the take it with a grain of salt. You know, I'm I'm sitting here to poke fun at things first. But everybody's you know, I don't know, man. I feel like even this is subject I'm already exhausted. <laughs> like just I'm already tired just talking about like like everything's fucked up and everybody has a right to point it out. The people that are funnier about it or have more gotcha moments get to be uh, still a comedian, but their gotchas are better than other people's gotchas. The right has better merchandising. The left has better gotcha moments. I think that's the strength of each side. The right is awful with zingers, but man, can they make money on t-shirts and stickers and flags and all that bullshit. The left, you're not going to make any money merchandising, but boy, we're good at writing zingers to get the other side. Look, oh, well, how about this? Well, what about this? I think those are just the strengths. 
And at some point, is it, like if it didn't feel violent, it would just all be professional wrestling anyway. And one side enjoys playing the heel sometimes during an issue, and the other side enjoys playing the heel. You know, why are you crying liberal tears? Uh-oh, what's up, snowflakes? Triggered by gay pride merch? Everybody, It's just a big wrestling match. And then again, that's if I'm looking at the internet for too long, I'm taking stuff personal, but now we're just talking about it. I'm like, I'm all, I'm pretty exhausted by all of it, you know? It's professional sports with like actual consequences that like fundamentally impact people's lives day to day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Florida, Florida uh, on, on paper is a joke, but if you went to Florida, would you feel that if you were in Miami right now, would you feel that I go to gay as a big festival, punk festival called the fest in Gainesville every year. That, and it's a great time in around Halloween. So I go to Florida and I don't feel it, but if I, I read all these articles, I'm like, yeah, Florida, whew, yikes, run by lunatics. Gainesville, obviously a, a college town, so similar to to, to Austin yeah. in that way, this kind of little liberal yeah, oasis. Well, outcropping, yeah. I mean, it does, you know, obviously obviously, there, there's an extent to which being a, a stand-up comedian, I, I guess just being an entertainer broadly is, is a little bit self-selecting when it comes to the people who like, who actually come see you. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm still. It's still going to be jokes first. I'm not going to do stuff just to make people clap and agree. Like that's a shit. That's a shit comedy show. If you went and you, all you did was agree with somebody for an hour, you got ripped off again. On the left, better, better uh, pandering comics. But even then, I think they're more discerning artistically, so that doesn't go as far as like a Jim Brewer making a parrot noise for 45 minutes. And I'm like, well, that, I think that side's like, well, that's the best we got, so we got to support him. I mean, who, who was it, Huckabee? Does he still have a late-night talk show? I think it's all Gutfeld. I think Gutfeld is kind of dominating the late-night market right okay, now. Okay, yeah. And it's, I mean, just comedically, it's not good. Not even what they're talking about. Like, it's just, it's comedically, it's bad. But that's the, they got their daily show. Everybody gets to have their version of the thing. It's not for me, you know? You know, I, I do appreciate the sentiment of, you know, I, I guess the value in traveling around and, and leaving your bubble and just interacting with people like yeah. in a non-political setting. Yeah, just stop sitting at home getting pissed and then responding to comments. I used to be that guy like, oh, somebody commented something on a thing. Well, I'm going to comment this like this is accomplishing nothing other than keeping you from going out in the world. Like the same, like the same comment I want to leave online while I'm sitting at home. It's like, no, go sit on a train or in the city and see if you're still that mad looking at your phone about like, well, I'm going to show this guy what's up and then look around at the rest of the world going on. And you feel a little bit more pathetic thinking you're going to win an argument in the comment section than in Instagram. Yeah. It can be hard to, 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 to hold that back. Yeah. Just go out. You got to go out of your house. I still, I'm, I'm a hip. I'm still lay in bed. Look at my phone first thing in the morning and ruin my mood. I'm not happy about it. I'm trying to be better. How did you end up in Salt Lake City for the for the record? Uh, it was I had it on the calendar. I was going to record it somewhere else, and that location didn't work out. And I was like, well, I remember the last time I was in Salt Lake City. I had a great time at that club. So I was like, well, if you guys don't mind me coming in there and filming, I'd like to give it a shot. And they were they were great. Yeah, wise guys. It's a great club. I think again, people have their ideas about Salt Lake City. But then you go there, it's like, yeah, it's still a lot of tech workers and outdoor enthusiasts, and it's still 
a city that has all kinds of people. Yeah, they got the big old Mormon crystal palace on the hill or whatever over there, the temple, what have you. There's more Mormons there than maybe somewhere else. But also, they're, they're whatever. They're out doing their Mormony shit. There's still a whole other city there full of people that want to see comedy and are not bothered by it. So People that want to see comedy and, and will respond well to. I mean, one of the things that doing the show in Salt Lake City afforded you was the ability. I mean, there, there was built-in material there at the top of the show. A little bit, but I try not to. I mean, you've got to think that if your observation after being there for a couple days, everybody who's lived there has made that observation and 30 more better ones than you have by living there. So that's, you know, I've made a quick little joke about it, but it's, I mean, it's like, um, like they talk about doing material about current events. Every late night staff has a team of writers on it, writing about what happened that day. So for a stand up to make a, to do a joke about a current event, it's like, well, there's five shows with professional writers making the same joke you're probably going to make. So it's, you know, as far as a stand-up, it's not valuable material to, you know, it won't work next week. And so I go to Salt Lake City. Everybody living there has probably already made the same jokes. I'm not going to go too deep into it. Is that fundamentally different than there's – Material about, you know, being on a cruise or there's material about not having kids, which obviously are things that people have thought about and, and jokes about. Well, yeah, that's why, I mean, as a comedian, you're th- it's like, well, if the th- if the th- my observation came to me easily, it means it came to somebody else easily. So you skip that one. Then you go to the second one. If that one came kind of easy, too, then you skip that one, too. And then the third one is like, all right, maybe this is how far someone hasn't analyzed this subject that, okay, that's what I can present for in within comedy is the third idea it's uh it's like people educating themselves off the first page of google search results well i read well did you click through to the third or fourth page to see where it debunked all that stuff you read on the first page no you just read the first page and like well here's the news on the subject no you kind of got to do a little bit god dare i say do your own research i know that phrase didn't help people a lot in the last few years but at least do your own rewriting is what I'd say with comedy. I mean, is it ever the first thought, best thought? In the moment, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a three card Monty with comedy where it's like, oh, it's dazzling right away, but then it, like a little bit later, you're like, well, actually, that wasn't that funny. I just this guy just said it in a charismatic way. You know, there's this, this plague of crowd work with stand up right now. And some of it's very good, but a lot of it is just, in the moment, it seemed dazzling. But if you think about it for longer than a few minutes, you're like, actually, it wasn't that great of a joke. And it wasn't that hard to come up with if somebody's a professional comedian. Just like the subway, subway magic isn't the best magic. It's just impressive because your train's about to show up and you think you could win $20 finding the queen or whatever. Sometimes you want to reach for the dazzling thing. You know, sometimes if, if you feel like it'll leave, leave a good impression in the moment, isn't, isn't that enough? I mean, yeah, I could, I could sit here and act like how much, you know, I want so much out of stand up and I want it to be deeper and I want to learn about somebody's personal experiences. But then I go to the movies and I don't want to watch 
I don't want to see Tar or something. I want to watch Fast and Furious. I want to watch cars blow up. And that's what I go to the movies for. So some people might go to stand-up just because they want to laugh at the funny guy. They don't want to think about bigger issues. They don't want more anything. like They don't want it complex. They want to laugh at easy things and not worry about their life. And so I respect that, too. I, I think a good performer has a little bit of both. But yeah, I guess, I guess some some surface level some surface level stuff's all right. Sometimes it's funny. It gets really easy to overthink things, and it gets really easy to just like abandon what might be a perfectly good or even very good joke because you feel like it doesn't run deep enough. Well, I mean, you could give the same joke to five comics and get five different versions of it too. So the same basic observation that your dad might make walking into a restaurant, five comedians will make the same observation, but it'll be somehow different and professionally done but it's like you know it's like you could make a hot dog at home or why you could go to a hot dog place i don't know there's all kind of metaphors for why material and capable hands even if it's basic will still be be good or better than what you can do yourself so i mean i stopped eating meat a long time ago but i don't know if our hot dog's the best uh well i'm well as far as like a basic uh an uncomplicated item Why would you go buy a hot dog somewhere or a hamburger? You can make that at home, and it's the easiest thing. Well, because whoever's doing that is doing it better, even though it's basic shit. I, I'm, it's not a souffle or something that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to make that at home. It's going to be a mess. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll probably screw it up. You trust that with a professional. But jokes, that memory's funny. Everybody's everybody's got three friends that are funnier than most working standups right now. I guarantee that. What's the distinction then? And so it's all it's all it's all delivery. It's all presentation. Yeah, about going to the club. The person's on a stage with lights and a microphone. Is that? But I just think anybody, if you really thought about it, you have you have friends in your life that make you happier and make you laugh harder than any standup does. Happier certainly. Um, uh, Mickey laugh harder. I don't know. You know, it's but that that's also just, just sort of the proximity thing too, right? That's also just like you know, sharing a moment with somebody. I guess I just I don't know. I'm trying to knock stand up off this altar that it seems to be on right now. I feel like we're in a. I feel like it's the it's 1990 on the Sunset Strip, and <clears throat> all the glam bands don't realize that Nirvana's about to come out of the woodwork and knock everybody down. I feel like I feel like stand up's pretty bloated right now. I 1000% agree with you. I am also the more I think about the hot dog analogy, it's actually much better than I consider. No, because like at, for, at face value, because honestly, when you're talking about hot dogs specifically, the main distinction between a hot dog you make at home and a hot dog you get at a restaurant is that you're not at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's about the night out. You know, it's about having drinks and going out on a Friday and Letting somebody else do it for you. Letting somebody else do the dance for you. I mean, I'll even call it out at shows. I'm like, you know, you could just watch TV. <laughs> there's there's all kinds of stuff on TV. All kinds of fun, sad, exciting stuff. It's a lot of pressure if you think about it for a stand-up. I got to match. I got to beat cable television every night. I got to beat somebody else who's already paying for streaming services and could stay at home. I gotta, I gotta be better than that. Yeah, I mean, right now you're also competing with your own free product. Yeah, yeah. You just watch, watch YouTube. It's, I'm, 
It's already on there. Now you're watching the in process version. Which yeah, exactly. This is like the good, this is the good stuff that you're missing. Well, and that's also some of the, that's part of the, ch- the challenge is, oh, I have to be funnier than any of the stuff they've already seen. Mm. And all the stuff that's been recorded has been my best effort in that moment in time. This is the funniest material that I have. Just like any band or anything, you have like your whole life to come out with your first album. And then after that, you got about a year, a year and a half. So your your whole since you started stand up up until you record the first thing, you get to pick out over that whole time frame what the best material is. As soon as that's out, year, year and a half, come up with another hour of stuff that's theoretically should be better than the first effort. And everyone in my mind, everything should be better than the thing that was before it because you should be growing. And expanding as a performer and as a person, so I, I think it's more than that, though. I, you know, and this is this is again not me putting stand ups on a pedestal, but but just pointing out the 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 difficulty in that. You know, that first album comes out, and you're working on your second album. People people want to hear the first album. People tend to have different expectations. You know, you, you can't. I guess you could. You know, if you're you know, I don't know. I'm not going to name any names, but, but, you know, you could just do the same jokes over and over again. But, but I do think that there's a different set of expectations. Yeah. I always want to do, I always want to give people new stuff. But it's where I watch comics that I know and I'm like, oh, they're doing that joke I like. And I'm excited to see it done again. I'm excited to see how it plays in front of different audiences or how they've tweaked it a little bit. But for myself, I wouldn't want to perform. I don't even like, you do five shows at a club over the weekend and you know that the wait staff has heard the same jokes by Saturday night. And I'm like, oh, these poor guys. Let me do some different material for the wait staff. It's like, no, you're performing for the people that paid to come to the club. But in my head, I'm like, eh, I want to do something different. Make the wait staff have a good time, too. I invariably try to do entirely new jokes every single night. The material's just not going to be as good as the one you no, polished. And you can only practice in front of people. It's one of the few forms that you can only practice live. You can't practice in isolation or in a vacuum. So <clears throat> failure is built in. Public failure is built in, which is <laughs> can either be discouraging or that's what's exciting. It's like, wow, I've been doing this for 24 years and I'll still have an idea that a room full of strangers, thumbs down, hard. I'm like, wow, I still don't have a natural instinct of knowing what's going to be good right away. And that's I, I like that part. I think that's exciting. The, 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 the risk of failing is still always there. I think that's great. I've never tried stand-up, and I'm like, not ever going to try stand-up. But I would imagine that one of the benefits of it is if a joke, if a joke fails, then you can just move on to the next joke. Yeah, so it depends on what you said to make the joke fail. <laughs> Sometimes it's not the joke. It's like, oh, I've I've changed the whole room. <laughs> I've changed their attitude about who I've turned I am them as against a human me. Being. Yeah, oh, I've made them second guess my moral compass, <laughs> and it's hard to go like, ah, oh, toasters are crazy. <laughs> you know, you can't. It, you have to really re. You have to rebuild your whole. Uh, you got to do some PR work. <laughs> I'm guessing you're not. When a joke fails for you, it's not that as often that you're an offend- offending an entire group of people. Maybe no, yeah, you're shrugging. But that's but that's why there's some jokes. You're like, ooh, it's probably gonna be people that don't like this one. 
and then that's what's the thrill. Then that's the exciting part. Is, uh, we'll see it. Yeah, finding out. It's still it's still exciting. Hope it stays that way. I don't know. There are jokes on the, on this record. There are jokes on the last record where it's like, where I as a as a third party with no emotional investment, I'm very glad that you were able to stick the landing on it because it could have gone really <laughs> off the rails. Well, I just know that it probably did go off the rails quite a bit <laughs> before I figured it out. But that's what I mean. You know, I live in, I was in LA and I live in Portland now. It's good to be, I'd rather bomb in front of 20 people in a bar figuring it out than people that paid money to see the actual hour. You know, I still feel like if you paid money and like, again, like I said, made the effort to come out to a proper show, I want that hour to be solid for you. I mean, there, there might be a new thing that gets in there after a couple passes at a local room, but I, w- I would be mad if I spent a bunch of money for a night out and somebody was just doing untested new stuff. You know, I don't think that's fair. Do, do entire shows still come off the rails from time to time? Not as often. I mean, occasionally you'll get like a place that's just not. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a crowd work guy. I don't really have any interest in talking to the audience. <laughs> uh, if it's you know, sometimes it's loose and it's fun. There's a chit chat, but then sometimes it's just late at night. People are drunk. <clears throat> they wandered in. They're, you know, the club isn't handling them properly it's like all right i guess i'm just babysitting these people and that's unfair to the other people that came to see an actual show that stuff i try to mitigate i try to you know play places or hopefully have enough reputation in the game at this point it's like yeah if you're coming to the show don't be a dickhead if you're gonna be a dickhead you will be you know you'll be escorted out of the show you you know everybody in here paid money hopefully because you also paid money you realize that you're in a room full of people that want to watch the comedy show not interrupt the comedy show so few and far between fortunately what happens in those those rare instances when you do find yourself in front of a a sort of disinterested audience i try to go with it you know i try to i'm i'm fortunate at the point that i'm at now is that people that are buying tickets are coming to see me they know what they're getting into so they kind of realize like oh it's not that show he doesn't talk to the audience and do that there's a you know maybe it was maybe a year ago it was, <clears throat> okay it was a late night saturday i don't know if it's bad weather wasn't a lot of people in the club and there's a table in, in front only the front was filled to this club and was, they were drunk and i'm like all right well everybody else is watching you guys i'll just talk to you guys and try and make it entertaining for the other people listening uh it's not it's not my favorite it's not what i enjoy doing it's not why I'm going to take a red eye and leave my home to fly to Indiana. It's not to babysit a group of adults. I'll just say that. Sometimes it has to be done. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do it. It's kind of counterintuitive though, right? Like that, that, that you, you, you're, I don't want to say you're enabling, but you're continuing to make the worst group of people in a room full of people who paid to go the, the focus of the show. Yeah. I mean, if, it, if it's really steel, if it's not fun, or if what I'm saying to them isn't translating into there's laughter because it's funny. And then there's like laughter because, oh yeah, you're getting them. 
you're making them look stupid for, and I don't want to be that guy either. Like, Oh, let me hold up these idiots. So the rest of the room can laugh at them too, because then you still have to come back from that. Even if they do get kicked out, then you still have to be like, anyway, here's my story about my cat or whatever. And I don't want to do that either. I try to play along with them. And then maybe somebody from the club comes by and is like, Hey, you know, all right, that's enough. Let's keep it down. I'll be like, Hey, all right, thanks. That was fun, but let's not, I'm going to do my stories now, but it's still, ultimately I'm the entertainment at a bar and people that go to bars get drunk. So again, trying to knock down this idea that like, Oh, comedians are philosophers. Anybody who has all day to do nothing but think is a philosopher. You didn't, you didn't study the greats. All you did was activate free time to ponder your own bullshit, which is what philosophy is. And again, the cream rises to the crop. There's a lot of people with ideas out there. Stand-ups just made them funnier. They're not always the right ideas, but they're the funny ones, so they get more ears listening to them. I'm not going to sit there and be like, yeah, I'm a philosopher. No, I'm, I'm a dancer in a bar. That's what I'm doing. I am me, strippers, nightclub workers. We're all the same thing. We're entertainment for drunks that just got done doing jobs that we didn't want to do. <laughs> doing jobs that we either too lazy or too inept to do. So we gambled on this entertainment idea. Philosophers, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Stop. How did we get here? Like, how did we get to this this sort of this point when this profession is on a pedestal in the way it is in the current moment? I don't know. I don't. Again, I've laughed at ideas that I disagree. My my friend John Roy has a great. He's a good comedy. Is John's a comic? He's a great comedian, great writer, and he's like good comedy is stuff that I laugh at even when I disagree with it. But okay, so what you do, I mean, I know everybody loves holding Carlin up like, oh, George Carlin was just truth. It was just truth. No, it was simplified. It was simplified for a point. It's, you know, it's good. The good points were made, but it's simplified in the name of entertainment. If you, I think if you held any of it up to a magnifying glass, it would not work in reality. In theory, in comedy, these are funny things to listen to. In reality, it doesn't work. Yes, George Carlin's, yes, the, the ruling class is all about they own you because they want to keep the money. Who doesn't know that already? Did you, does, is it, are we laughing at it anymore? Is it just like, yep, he is an angry old man that pointed out that rich people want to stay rich. No shit. If you didn't have 20 bucks and then you got 20 bucks and somebody's like, give me 10 bucks. You don't want to give them 10 bucks. You want to keep 20 bucks. That's the nature of money. It's a, it wasn't a comedian that said money's the root of all evil. That's just an old phrase. Now you dress it up and make a funny story about rich people are just doing it. Yeah. Is it, is, is the root of that money's the root of all evil? Is that what you're trying to say? All right. I got it. Look at me taking down Carlin. What a cool attitude I have. Fucking finally. I'm saying like it's funny, but like let's not hold it up as like that guy should have been a politician. No, it's maybe he should because politicians say simple things to get people to vote for him. But then in reality, 
That's not what politics is. It's who's getting money from who to vote a certain way for corporations. We all know that. But the ones that speak the best are the ones who get votes. It's a huckster game. There's also this thing that happens to not all, but a lot of comedians when they get really successful of, <laughs> of you know, the... And, and and I, I suppose this is pr- this is true with in any occupation. This is true probably just for anybody. If you if you're surrounded by enough people telling you that you're a genius, you you really start to believe it. Yeah, especially if those people are on the payroll. I mean, Kanye West is just a mentally ill man, but. He's providing for enough people that still want to be provided for. So nobody's going to lock him up. Nobody's going to hold him down and make him take his medicine so he doesn't say Hitler's great. They're going to be like, well, Kanye's, you know, he's misunderstood. If you're rich, you get to be called flawed. If you're poor, you're an asshole. (laughs) Rich people are complicated. Poor people are criminals. I mean, is there also just sort of a base level of... I don't know if ego is the right word um, to really just sort of get up on stage and do this in the first place. Oh yeah. We're all up our own ass to some extent. Again, like I said, Oh, you know what? I think I'm funnier than whatever you can get to with your Apple TV. That's already a level of arrogance. <laughs> I'm worth, I'm worth your free time after work too. After you've spent all day at work, and then you're going to come home. Nah, you should still come out and see me. And give me your money. Hopefully, it, hopefully it's worth it. Are these the sorts of insights that come with with doing this for a long time? I mean, like, you know, when, I guess I guess maybe a better way of, of, of phrasing it is, you know, did you did you have those similar illusions when you first started doing this? I just I mean, I think I wanted the attention and I wanted to be I I. Growing up, anything I saw that I admired, I also wanted to know if I could do it. Not sports. I never had, I, you know, it's short, weak, and uncoordinated, so sports were never going to be the thing. But I saw music. I want to, like, oh, well, I like music. I want to know if I could play music. I want to know if I could play guitar, play drums. But I never, I was also lazy. I never pursued it, like, with classes and lessons and really got into theory. I'm like, oh, can I pick it up? Yeah, I get that gifted child syndrome where... As soon as things became difficult in life, you uh, you thought you were a failure because things were easy in your formidable years. Not that that's an excuse. I saw it pointed out. I'm like, yeah, I fit that mold pretty well. Things were easy all through grade school, junior high, high school. Then I finally got into actual math like algebra, and I was failing while also having A's and honors classes everywhere else. But, oh, this thing doesn't compute to me, and I'm, I guess I'm a, a loser. Stand up. Well, there's no class. There's no grading system. There's no quality control. I just went and watched open mics for months, and I thought I, I, I saw the people that were good. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll ever be good like they are. But the people that are were bad that came back week after week. I'm like, well, I don't think I'll be as bad as the worst person. And if the worst person is still the worst person every week, and they can keep coming back, what am I so afraid of? So that's what got me into it. At some point, though, I mean, it, you know, if you were somebody who, because I, 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 I'm this way too. I think a lot of people are that if 
that maybe if, it, if it's clear that something isn't working, that it, it just doesn't feel like it's worth trying, um, or at least continuing to bang your head against the wall. So at some point, it was clear that it that it was working, or at least that it was working better than the other things that you had attempted. Yeah. Well, and I only had to rely on myself. I mean, music is, you know, you got to find other people that want to play music, the kind of music that you're playing. Or that are good. So you, if you're good musicians, you can just kind of play whatever and drop in with other musicians. And I wasn't like that. We were just playing punk music. So I was like, well, what friends want to play this kind of music? And does your schedule work out enough to where we could practice and then get gigs? And it's, you got to be really dedicated and also find other people that are really, really dedicated. With comedy, I was only, I only had to, rely on myself like do i want to do this tonight do I, i'm not relying on another group of people i'm like nope i'm done with work do i want to drive into chicago and go to an open mic and it turned out the answer was yes because i didn't have a lot else going on <laughs> in my life so didn't have a lot of other things competing for my nighttime efforts i was reading an interview that you were doing and you mentioned the the, the, this definition of introvert that I think more introversion that I think more people have become aware of. Um, and it's something, it, it, this is something that like I have had a lot of trouble reconciling in the past. Um, you know, why, why I can, you know, interview strangers or I can, you know, like be on a stage interviewing people in front of a thousand people. But if I go to a party that I just like, I completely shut down it, it as, as somebody who I think does I, I identifies with that side of things. Was it hard for you to kind of reconcile how you could just pursue this career? I think, well, I think, I mean, it, I mean, it defined me. I, I was always the loudest guy. I always thought I was the funniest guy at a party, but it turns out I was just the loudest Maybe the drunkest. Oh, look, everybody's pay- yeah, yeah. Everybody's paying attention to me. Well, it's because I demanded that. And with stand up, it was like, nope. Are they laughing at you? Or are they laughing with you? And some nights it was at. Sometimes it was like, oh, I got not on stage for two and a half hours. I guess I'll sit in a bar and drink until it's time to do five minutes. And oh well, I got drunk and now I'm I'm a clown. I'm not a comedian. And uh, that that went on for more years than I wish. And it was also the way to keep doing it. Well, at least I'm going to go out to a bar and get drunk. So if I'm bad, I'm not going to take it personally. But I don't think the way I feel like I'm, I'm possibly introverted now is I think it's a result of stand up because I get the attention that I want doing stand up. Like I get like, hey, everybody's got to pay attention to me. I have a microphone. Hopefully these ideas that I'm saying into the microphone are entertaining that you want to come back. But then I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm satiated. Like I've gotten the thing that I want. And so after the show, the last thing I want to do is go socialize. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm tired now. I put everything I could into that hour of, you know, that show. And if people laughed at it, I feel good. I don't have anything else to give. I don't have, the des- I'm also old, I'm old now too, you know. I'm not looking for that kind of adventure. So to go and and, and also it changes too because when you're starting and you people don't know you, like oh that was funny and come hang out with us. 
Now you get to a certain status. I'm not going to say celebrity, but some notoriety or what have you. Now it's like, oh, you're being talked at rather than talked with. And that that I'm not good with. These interviews, I start going off the rails and start saying some real wild shit where I'm like, wow, man, you really sounded like you had all the answers for a minute there. Saying, did, you just, did he just call George Carlin simple? Good job, Kyle. That's what happens when you let me talk too long. During the pandemic, when, when you weren't able to tour, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you do a few podcasts yourself. Was that your primary outlet for this energy that you need to expend? Honestly, was fine. I was still writing jokes and would have a couple outlets here, there. Um, I mean, I made jokes on the special, but like trying to do Zoom shows, those were terrible. And it was only about a year. I mean, it was basically from, it was 2021 where I'm like, all right, I bought that van to be like, all right, I'll just, I'll roll around and do shows where everybody, somebody's having, if they're doing them outdoors, I'm going out in May. Of course, I went through Arizona, Texas, places that uh, didn't believe in COVID anyway. So there's still a lot of shows happening and, but so that was about the year mark is when I'm like, okay, I got to get out and start doing this again but i was pretty good for that first year i really wasn't looking for i was kind of like all right i've been talking professionally for many many years at that point at least a decade like i could sit back i could observe and keep quiet for a while i was all right with it yeah i wasn't like itching like oh i just need the attention i'm like no i'm pretty good hanging back for me it went from being comfortable with it to being uncomfortable with how comfortable I was with it just being alone and not going out and like living life well we moved here so I mean we're in a house with a yard so we had a little more space you know I have my partner so I was lucky with that I was kind of, if anything it made it put perspective on it's it's weird that even with stand-up like oh my dream my childhood dream came true I'm a stand-up comedian for a living but there's still are you doing it too much? Like, what about the personal time to actually live your life? Because that's where the stories come from to talk about and stand up. I can't just write jokes about being at the airport and getting a rental car and being in a hotel. It's like, what about the actual part of life? So I think I've, my schedule doesn't show it, but I think I value that a little more now. And, uh, I told myself this year I was going to take some time off. I screwed it up. My schedule does not reflect that right now. <laughs> you weren't very good at that before the pandemic? No, because it's, well, it's, it's a freelancer mindset. You try so hard to make a living doing stand-up, which you know it already seems foolish. And then the universe lets you get that. Like, oh, okay, now you do make a living doing stand-up. That's crazy. I can't say no to anything. Because I feel like karmically, I'm obligated to do all that I can because I'm allowed to do this in the first place. And that if I take it for granted, it'll go away. Now that, you can under, uh, you know, unravel that psychologically however way you want to. But I'm trying, I'm, I'm tapering off of that mindset, of that freelancer, feast or famine mindset a little bit. I feel... 10 plus years ago and hard. You know what? You could have a few weeks here or there where you just kind of fuck around and live life and play bad guitar and fall off your bike and go see some movies or something. Maybe you justify it in that there's 
stories that you can mine for material. That's that still comes out to that. It still comes out to like, oh, this funny thing happened. Now I'm gonna tell that on stage. I'm like, oh yeah, you got to do the living part. You got to experience life to be able to talk about it to, <laughs> to strangers. Is that part of what drives you to agree to go on a cruise? Oh, that cruise was still a gig. You know, you took it and and you took it knowing that it was going to be an, an interesting experience at the very least. Yeah, usually if something sounds like it's not going to go well. I say, I have to say yes to it because, well, because for that very reason of like, oh yeah, this isn't like, it's like, it seems out of my comfort zone. Well, that's the thing I should do. You keep doing things that are comfortable and predictable. Again, what are you going to report back? That's going to be worthwhile listening to in standup. I mean, some people want to see the guy that's got a wife and kids and talks about having a wife and kids, but I'm not that guy the van story that kind of that that is really the last the last segment of of the show when when something like that happens at what point is it clear that like oh this is this is going to be good there's there's that moment of like all right let's not cheapen the the moment let's not cheapen it in the moment by just writing the jokes like now feel the real feelings you know feel the range of emotions don't just be knee-jerk punchlines to what's happening but that, yeah, that that went down, and then I got I had a nice long drive back out of the desert to think about all the elements and all the beats of the story and what got embellished and actually what got underplayed and how to make it. You know, it's again, it's not uh, it's not a testimony in court. I didn't swear on a Bible that it's verbatim factual, but here's the exaggerated portions of. Uh, a crazy guy with a monster truck that saved me. The fact that AAA somehow did respond to this weird part in the desert. I mean, we found what looked like empty graves <laughs> like about 200 yards from where we were camping. It's, it's public land out there. It's a weird place. We're just, you know, there's stuff that's not funny. That's just weird details to just shooting a gun out into nothing out there. That's not a metaphor. It's literally what you can do out there and hope somebody's not three miles away doing the same thing in your direction. It's, it's nothing, there's nothing out there. It's not a funny detail. Like, oh yeah, this looks like three shallow graves that were dug out in the desert here, about three feet by six feet. Just, oh, okay. Well, that's weird. It doesn't fit the story. That's just a detail of where we were at in the desert. Listen, it doesn't fit the story, but I don't know that you're <laughs> pushing yourself enough as a comedian that you do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I also don't want to have to be, you don't want to be a witness to a crime. Well, it's like, I also don't want to be the guy that's got to be looking for it. Like, I'm not going to just do things just because of the stand-up. I don't think that's a way to live either. Like, I went skydiving because I'm running out of material. <laughs> like, I don't know. I've just, if somebody invited me skydiving, I'd go, and then maybe it'd be crazy, or maybe it'd just be like, no, I jumped out, everything worked, and then what's this? where's the story? <laughs> <laughs> 